So yes, the Fast and Furious movies are definitely superhero flicks. Yeah. Without question. I'm gonna I wanna say this to listeners too, because I said it to you guys that beforehand. Is the fast but cruise <laughs> it's like they're kryptonite. <laughs> but take Fast Six into into consideration, listeners. Um this is my treatise for why these are superhero movies. These are superhero movies around which the superheroes and supervillains' powers are based on cars. In what other scenario would Vin Diesel be able to crash a car, fly through the air, catch Michelle Rodriguez in midair at 80-plus miles an hour, spin twice, and then land on the hood of a car unscathed? And then later, here's where it clinches. She says the line, quote, how did you know there would be a car there to break our fall? If these people don't, what, in what world does anyone say that where they don't have car-based superpowers? We are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Burn it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome everybody, episode 92 of the Trade Podcast! I'm Ed Fodell. I'm your host, Luke Matthews, and today I'm talking about Joe Dimer! Hi. And Ed Fodell! Hey! Today we're going to talk about how we got the boom blue rose! Oh, Jesus, I can't keep that up for very long. Is what happened? <laughs> it would have been so much better looking for you, or Joel, if like, you would have just jumped in. Yeah, hey like, guys! Hi! Why is he even charged? Brax Day? Holy shit. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Supreme Blue Rose is a image comic by Warren Ellis and Tula Lote. It was a listener suggestion. Aaron Coker uh, of the Justin of Trope podcast suggested it for us, and uh, we'll be talking about that later. <laughs> I think we should actually tell people what the podcast nah, is. Nah, <laughs> okay. it's good enough. Um, there's a few other things to talk about. I know that uh, Avengers Age of Ultron came out. I haven't seen it yet. I'm probably going to go see it tomorrow, actually. Has anybody else seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. Nobody? The Avengers? No. Okay. I'll see it this week. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I was on vacation, and fuck movies when I'm on vacation, <laughs> like, entirely. I'm probably going to go home today and watch... We're going to watch Avengers and Winter Soldier and maybe one, maybe Iron Man 3. Maybe Iron Man 3, because Iron Man 3 is not good. But, um, yeah. but then it's we're going to watch... a Christmas movie that came out in the summer. <sighs> yeah. And they're going to remind you constantly that it's a Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. my God. Why? Just such a misstep. We're not going to meet that deadline. Oh, we'll still put it out. Yeah, it really was just not a. It would. It was just not a good movie, in my opinion. Like there were there were so many good bits of it, right? Like there are little things, like little Tony Stark moments and stuff that that were worthwhile in that movie. But man, the fucking the whole third act of that movie is just a goddamn dumpster fire. Oh yeah, it, man, oh. that's giving it too much credit. Yeah, maybe it's a at diaper it, that is burning in a dumpster. I was going to say at least a dumpster fire will provide heat. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I I'm not a fan of that movie, and I'm uh, I'm kind of skeptical at the direction of the Marvel franchises now because it seemed like in the in Phase One they were very much uh, trying to take the franchises seriously in order to draw in new. Uh, viewers and make make this thing that was taking their properties seriously and it feels almost like now that comic book movies are popular they're just like oh thank god we don't have to put any effort in anymore and they're just like fucking shitting stuff out and that's why like like so i'm not interested in ant-man at all i want to see um i just can't guardians of the galaxy though I liked Guardians of the Galaxy but it was not the second coming that everyone said it was. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a 
cheesy, fun sci-fi, yeah, you know, space opera. Space opera. Um, but it was just not like everybody was going apeshit over how awesome it was, and yeah. I was like, it was good. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't it like three times in theaters. We saw it twice in the theater, and we've seen it once since. And Avengers, I mean, Winter Soldier's the peak, in my opinion. Like, that's the really? best of the movies, like, yeah. without question. Uh, I don't think there's even a comparison to Winter Soldier, but that's just my... It always seems to be the critic's choice. Yeah. I mean... Winter Soldier. I, uh, I, I think... So this, from my perspective, I think Winter Soldier had the most potential, and it also had... It definitely had the most wasted potential, because there was, like, this really good opportunity that it had as sort of a discussion on like personal responsibilities and personal freedoms that it just didn't but see i don't think they're going i think they're going there in civil war like i think that's what that's going to be their focus i think if they end up doing that i'll be very happy i think i mean it was a 70s spy spy thriller with superheroes in it and that's what it was intended to be and i think they did a really good job and it was just it was the movie that it's the movie that um i think they got the most right like Avengers came real close too. Like, but the Captain America franchise. The thing that amazes me about the Captain America franchise is that I don't like Captain America in the comic books. I don't like Captain America comics, and I have I have read bad Captain America comics. I have read mediocre Captain. I've read Rob Liefeld's run on Captain America. Oh, um, uh, Wolf Cap. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and I have now read a good chunk of what is considered some of the best Captain America by Ed Brubaker, and I can't fucking stand Captain America. Yeah. Let me tell you, I have the Captain America story that will change your mind. It's from, I think, the late 70s, and the only reason that I got one of these issues was because it had Captain America on what's the equivalent of a... He's tied to... You know that um, on The Price is Right, the show... The, the, the wheel. Like, the wheel. He's tied to boop, that, boop, boop, and there's boop, this boop, giant boop, boop, thing that's going to land on one of them, and Balrock the Leaper is spinning it. Yeah. <laughs> Bat truck. That rock the leaper, yeah. whatever he was in. Ball Winter sack Sol- the li- he was in Winter Soldier, yeah. you know. Was he the yeah. first guy that he fights on the boat? That's Batrock the leaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Purple and yellow GSB. and everything, jumping Whoa. around, kicking like crazy. GSB. No, I I like Captain America just because he's one superhero who's not a superhero, right? And so he's just yeah. fighting for justice and whatnot. I, I know you don't really under, understand it. It's not your shtick. It's not that I don't understand it. It's that I just don't think that... Uh, I don't Soviet think that, Russia, American I don't think captains you. <laughs> I don't think the comics tell his story very well. And I know that's, that's kind of blasphemous because that's where he came from. But yeah. I actually, like, I think that... I think that they pulled off Captain America as and his place in a modern society way the fuck better in in the movies. Yeah, um, that's because they haven't had to do it for fifty some years, right? Seventy five years, well, or whatever the, it is. And the I think that a lot of that credit goes to uh, to Chris Evans. Like he nailed the tone on Steve Rogers in in every way, and that's one of the reasons why I liked yep. Winter Soldier so much was because. The 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 tone in the first movie was fantastic. I like the I really like the way they handle his origin story. But when you get into Winter Soldier, you finally get to see Captain America and his relationship with Falcon and all that, and they nailed that so but so well. And it made it they humanized him a lot better than I think a lot of the comics do. Um, he's he's kind of like this monolithic icon in the comics. Even in Brubaker's run, every time he's talking to someone, he's above them. Yeah. And I don't think that they, and I think they avoided that feeling with the movies. They made him, they humanized him, they brought him down to the level where he's supposed to be, right? He's supposed to be the guy that's defending people, the common man, the common man and he's, because he is one of them. Yeah. And he's an anachronism because he's out of, he's out of touch with everything that's mm-hmm. in the modern world. So he's just trying to, trying to find his way, you know, and get his values in line with with modern day values, right? Because right? things have changed since the 1940s. And I think so. that I think one of the things I liked about that is they didn't pull a um, what was the the Phil Hartman's caveman like I'm, I'm just very confused kid, by this modern technology. I'm glad that they didn't <laughs> do that. Like one of my favorite scenes, um, and it's just a little thing, was the scene where um, Falcon is telling him. Uh, like music to listen to and stuff and he pulls out that notebook right and he's got all this stuff written down of things that he needs to catch up on and it it doesn't come across as this like 
out-of-time idiot who can't understand modern technology because he's a smart dude. It just comes across, like, when he makes that comment, he's like, oh, and the internet? So useful. Like, I really, (laughs) I like those kinds of things, you know? And, of course, the comment in Avengers where he's like, I got that reference, right? You know, (laughs) it's things like that that I think they really did well with Captain America that I think they just... They forget about in the comic books because he's so iconic and he's just this, he's just there. Which is part of the reason why I liked Remender's run on the the first run on Captain America because it pulls him out and you get to see Captain America in a. As where a he's, soldier. As a soldier trying to maintain his own uh, morality in an environment that is completely wildly different than than what he's been living in for the last, you know, 50, 60 years. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just. Yeah. I. So uh, the one thing I, I got to say about comic book movies is I think it's it's gotten to the point where now it's cool to bash on comic book movies where you uh, people are trying to take them too seriously, right? And Guardians of... I mean, they're, I the pendulum that. is kind of swinging, swinging back the other way where they're... Swinging, sir. Swinging, yes. Swinging. Swinging, swinging back the other way where they're <laughs> trying to be a little bit more lighthearted because it was a little too serious. Radyard cap lag, swinging yeah. the blocks oh, and the twats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Wow. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> uh, dicks. But you know, and and I think one of the things is is like the um Bur- the movie Birdman uh-huh. really brought Still it to the seen forefront. It, but I really want to. Well, the the whole the whole movie is is a critique on comic book movies, mm-hmm. right? Because he was a comic book actor and he's trying to make it in the real world as a legitimate <laughs> actor and he's going through all these things. And it was like this critique piece on like hey, film is going devolving into superheroes for everything and and we really need to bring back the art form of of movies. And what when it won an Oscar or when several people from that movie won an Oscar, then people are like, you know what? Yeah, the Emperor does have no clothes. These comic <laughs> book movies are not fun. And now they're starting to, to bash them mm. just for the sake of bashing them. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a lot of bad critiques of Avengers 2 um, from from the critics and whatnot. And people is like, it's a popcorn movie. Well, I do think also that it's not just that it's okay to quote-unquote bash, but it's also okay, it's becoming okay to not be a fanboy, right? When... <clears throat> Through the through the Marvel's Phase One stuff, <coughs> excuse me, all the way up through Avengers, it was a especially and especially Avengers because it was helmed by Joss Whedon. It was helmed by Joss Whedon. It was one of the first successfully pulled team movies. Mm. Um, it was a point we they'd reached a point where you couldn't critique Avengers. Like that was like the the zenith of comic book movies was the the space between Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. where you just weren't allowed to, especially in fandom you weren't allowed to be the bad guy you weren't you if you said well, I didn't really like Avengers people would jump your shit for it mm-hmm. I got I got my shit jumped right after Guardians of the Galaxy for not bashing it but just saying it wasn't the second coming yeah you know I was just like it was good How I enjoyed it you? people were all up in my asshole for it and yeah. I just like it's people get passionate about stuff, and that normally leads to slightly yeah. hotter heads. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think I think we've reached this point where there's so many comic book movies that it's okay to finally start being like, okay, which you are know, good they, and which are not, which good. are good and which are not good. Yeah. For example, Thor two is not good. Thor two not good. <laughs> no. Batman versus Superman. I'm nah, um, yeah. No. I'm not even gonna like. I'm, I'm not even gonna be like. I hesitate. I'm gonna wait until the movie comes out. No, it's not going to be good. See. I will make that claim. I'm going to hesitate on that one only because, I, and I know I'm in a minority, but I really liked Man of Steel. I liked the way they handled Man of Steel. I think it's a good. Here's here's how I think of the Man of Steel universe. It's a it's a good Elseworlds tale. Okay, right. Um, because of the fact that I think that, you know, I've gone on and on about why I like Man of Steel, so I'm not going to do that again. But I, I, the concept of, of Batman versus Superman as that, like... Who played uh, Superman in Man of Steel? Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill did an excellent fucking job. Fucking perfect. No, it was great. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, other than Kevin Costner, most of the cast kind of dragged that movie down. Yeah, I think um, somebody made a really good point. Actually, I will bring up a little bit about this, because uh, one of the big points that people have... Uh, against that movie is that they don't feel that they don't feel that the the movie accurately showed 
what parts of Clark's upbringing gave him the morality that he's supposed to build himself into, right? Or get, turned him into a good person is okay. basically what it is. Because his entire childhood was all about being selfish. It was like, even even Pa Kent was like, no, you, you gotta hide yourself. You gotta be, you know, you can't you can't be out there. You can't show yourself off because it's a problem. Um, I think somebody made a really, really good point that I really liked Diane Lane's Ma Kent. It's Diane Lane. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I really liked her Ma... No, it's not Diane Lane. Diane Lane is... Nah, fuck it. Anyway, Ma Kent. Ma Kent. I liked... I think that Ma Kent was horrendously underused. Um, and I think one of the best one of the best like wishful thinking changes that I could have seen to that movie was somebody mentioned that um, there's the scene where he saves all the kids on the bus and then he has that conversation with Pa Kent where Pa Kent is like um, he says well what should I have just let them drown and Pa Kent goes maybe um, and you know, you know it's not a it's not a you should have let those kids drown it's a I don't know how to deal with this because I have no framework for your power. Um, but, and that's, that's the turning point that a lot, that one and Pa Kent letting himself die in the, in the tornado were the kind of the turning points where people were like, this is, this is problematic for Superman and his growth. And the best change they could have made was it right after that conversation where um, Pa Kent is like, well, maybe, yeah, Ma you got to be careful. Just slaps him in the back of the head. Not even slaps him in the back of the head, but just comes out and talks to Clark and says, you know, he's just being protective because he loves you. You did the right thing. That that's all it would have taken. It's like you did the right thing. You have you know you have the ability and you you took the initiative and did it right. You know Pa you know Pa Kent's just worried about you, but he's proud of you. You know that that little nugget right there. I think honestly would have completely changed the complexion of the whole fucking movie. Um, that being said, I still really like that movie. Yeah, um, I, I love the battles in it. Uh, the fights mm-hmm. the fights were amazing, but mm-hmm. everything around it was just like come on. Like yeah. the one, the one scene that lost me was when he was in the interview, or he was in the interrogation room, and they asked him, "What what's the S mean on your chest?" And you, it's obviously you know what the S means because he's had the S for Superman for the longest time. See, I don't, and, I don't, I don't like that attitude. I've yeah. seen a lot of people say, "Well." Because my my big thing about that movie is that it's the Casino Royale for Superman. It is a it is a pre origin like leading into the Superman that we know. Mm-hmm. And so many people are constantly like, "Well, we don't need the Superman we know because there's this Superman zeitgeist in our society. Everybody knows what Superman is." I'm like, "That's not that should not be the criteria by which we judge whether a story is yeah. good. It is." It is a story that someone wanted to tell. Yeah. There's how many Batman origin stories have been written in fucking comic books? Like it, just, it's just two, <laughs> right? Yeah, just, just two. It's really just one well, over and uh, over and over okay. and over so, again. So you know, there is like the, the difference between whether or not Batman is a vampire or not. But, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but no, it's it's an obviously it's a human letter. He's had the S on his chest. He knows English and has written in the English language. Knows, but they changed like, that part of his origin in the in the movie, right? That's yes. the thing. It's not. It's a Kryptonian in, symbol. It would have been better if he would have been like shove it, which is what I'm going to do to these handcuffs if you keep right? asking me stupid questions. Because like in the movie or in the in the comic books, of course, the costume is made by Ma Kent. Yeah, and they know what he is. Like Daily Planet dubs him Superman, and then she makes a costume with the big S. Where in this movie it was from Krypton. It's from right? Krypton, yeah. which I actually kind of enjoy because, like, I like the way I like the. That's one of my favorite parts is the Kryptonian design mm. in that movie. Like all the scenes on Krypton, I want a whole fucking movie just on Krypton because yeah. that was fucking fantastic. Yep, a tiny city in a tiny bottle somewhere right now, <laughs> right? Yep. So. Um, no, but you know, I can't believe we got into another fucking conversation about Men of Steel. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe that we've. I think since Eddie's left, we've had more conversations about DC. <laughs> it's the damnedest thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eddie. Us. I know you're going to hear this at some point. You're going to be like, oh, "Why am I not there?" <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. And so I I feel that it's gotten hip to now to to bang to to bang, bang on to <laughs> no bang to, to knock on to <laughs> knock on. <laughs> To knock on to knock superhero. Superman? All, all those kids, are just, they're just movies. banging God. Superman left and right. <laughs> Damn it. To, to bang on Fucking superhero hipsters. movies. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it's just be... It, it's, uh, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to Age of Ultron because I don't think... I'm, my expectation of Age of Ultron is that it's not going to be as good as the first Avengers. And part of the reason why I think that is because... And, and 
a lot of people who are listening to this will have already seen it, so they can probably yell at me and yell at me or whatever. But I think part of it is that it is it's very clearly an interim step. It's not it's not a movie in and of itself because I already know that the entire one of the entire purposes of it is to set up Avengers three parts one and two and to set up the Civil War storyline. So it's like. I already know that it's not going to be as good as Avengers, but that doesn't matter because you're right. It's a popcorn movie. Yeah. It is a, I want to go watch superheroes punch each other in the dick. Yeah. It's Fast Thank and the you. Furious. Yeah. You know? Exactly. I still haven't seen, is it Fast 7? Furious 7, Furious whatever. 7. Fast and Furious 7. Fast and Fast and Fast and 7. Yeah. Where it doesn't take itself Vin seriously Diesel anymore. Seven. It's Furious just a whole seven. bunch of amazing stunts you know kind of like a mission impossible has done that too it's an action movie yeah right and i think i know i understand that when superhero mo- superhero movies first came out they tried to be serious and they take it seriously and and people's like oh shit these these are actually serious and i can actually understand what's going on in in this without having to read the comic books mm-hmm. and i think that's what got people in there and then it started getting a little too serious and so yeah now- that's what the dc movies like do you even bleed, bro? <laughs> oh, God. I just, I'm, I'm. That's my problem. Is like DC, DC should not be gritty. Like Batman, okay, eh, yeah, right. Superman shouldn't be. Yeah. Like they're Grim gonna bring comics. They're gonna be like gritty, gritty bats and gritty soups oh, and sorry. yeah, gritty Wonder Woman and Grim Detective gr- Comics, yeah, GDC, right? I just don't. Um, I don't like the direction that the, I. I liked Man of Steel, but I don't like the overall direction that I can see them taking with DC Comics. Um, movies so actually okay so we have um we do have some we do have some listener emails uh or there were Uh, mostly messages on the on the site that i actually wanted to read it's just people saying fuck Um, you to me over over it really is um let me see let's let's do these in some kind of order um wait we have more than one yeah, we have quite a few, actually. Luke Matthews writes, Joel Simon, die in a fire, please. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the first one says... Baby fire. Uh, the email is, that's an inventive answer to an interceding question. Okay, huh? that's that's from Flora. Oh. Um, let's see. Sanford says... It was difficult to find your site in Google. You should create some high PR contextual backlinks in order to rank your website. I know writing articles is very time-consuming, but contextual backlinks are the best type of backlinks. We should take that into account. I know one cool tool that will help you create unique, readable articles in a minute. Just type in Google, Masculous Free Content. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Lamont, you big dummy. This one, I have to move away from the mic for this one because this one says, oh God. Real UFO video! Um, that's what? from Ted. Uh, this one, Corrine says, I read a lot of interesting content here. Probably you spend a lot of time writing. I know how to save you a lot of time. Uh, this one ends with look up free content source. Huh. Nice. Uh, I see you share interesting stuff here. You can earn some extra cash. Ooh, that's a new one. Uh, my, your website has big potential for monetizing method. Just search in Google K2 advices on how to monetize website. Okay. Right. The robots have found us. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, you glad, share- I'm glad to see the internet has grown up and moved past grow your dick, grow your penis yeah. size. Now it's yeah. moved into the business aspect of it. So let's you see. Know? The next three. Who needs a big dick when you got money? <laughs> uh, Good point. I see you share interesting things. I see a lot of interesting posts on it. I see a lot of interesting articles on it. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot more of those. I'm beginning to think that some of these aren't from actual listeners. (laughs) Um, Oh, here's the best one. I like this one a lot. This one says, it's like you learned my mind. You seem to understand a lot approximately this, such as you wrote the ebook in it or something. I believe that you could do with a few percentage to drive the message home a bit. However, instead of that, this fantastic blog, a fantastic read, I will be back. That one Uh, comes from Prostitutes for Sex. (laughs) Um, Uh, So, Luke, this is fame. uh, It really is. Uh, Now that you've written a book... And you're, and you're famous now. We've You've been there. Got the trials and I, 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 I want to channel all these robots to the page for Construct. Oh, hey, that Prostitutes for Sex uh, email or, or message was apparently attached to... <laughs> 
after the fact podcast episode 28 chrono trigger so Whoa. yeah they're uh, they're going back in time for us so yeah i just wanted to um here's one http upload boy.com html okay Anyway, yeah, I just wanted to go through some of our I do love me some, some of our uploads. listener emails uh, and messages that we get. Uh, if if any of you listeners out there actually want me to stop reading this bullshit spammy crap, then send me a fucking message. Send us emails. Send us comments and questions. Uh, you can be a part of the show by sending us emails at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com, hitting us up on our website, hitting us up on Facebook or Twitter. Please, please participate because I don't want to read this kind of garbage anymore. But, I mean, it's funny when we get, you know, it's like you learned my mind. Ah. <laughs> well I done. Should have, I should have read those in my intro voice. It's like you learned my mind. <laughs> I could do it in Brack's voice. I could do the whole thing. Oh, please don't. It's like you learned my mind. Oh, <laughs> you seem to understand a lot approximately this. Such as you wrote the ebook in it or something. I believe that you could do with a few percentage to drive the message home of it. However, instead of that, this is a fantastic blog. Fantastic read. I will certainly be back. Ah, look, why? <laughs> why are you all still alive? Oh, that's right. It's only Tuesday. Oh, so stuff um i just wanted to say by the way on on the subject of comic books that i have read recently i was on vacation for the last week and i caught up um i finally read lock and key front to back in one day <laughs> fuck that book is so good yeah i had not series? read yeah i had not read the last two trades alpha and omega. uh no i hadn't read clockworks or alpha and omega yet i had read everything up to that point um i got up to the so, point where the ghost got into the little kid spoiler but yeah, it gets, that's as far as I've gotten. Yeah, you need to the finish it. The fucking goat, man. The fucking goat. Really? It oh, was God, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it, I mean, one of the best horror comics I've ever read. It's like it's it's a classic. It, it belongs in the lexicon of the best comic books that have, have ever been written. It's yep, fantastic. Yep. What? You disagree with me? Nope. <sighs> and, I mean, like, I'm just I'm thinking of like. All of the horror comic books. Comic books. I mean, it's. I'm not saying that they're. You know. I don't know if it's in the best, but if it's not, it's fucking close. It is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I feel like it's too soon to. I don't. It's over. That's the I, I, thing. It's I, yeah, like no, it's over. You, but you can't be like. It's. It's not. It. It would be too soon if it hadn't ended yet. But it has ended. It's been. It's been ended. What it ended five six months ago, right? A little bit longer than that. Yeah, something like that. Mm. It's. It can be judged on the whole as uh, as as a self-contained thing now, and I think it's it's just fucking fantastic. Like it's, I'm not doubting the quality at all, but saying that it, you know it's the pinnacle or one of the best is, I feel like one of. Well, I'm not saying cross, the. Yeah, I know. Crossed <laughs> is more of a gross out comic than a horror. Yeah, comic. It Crossed really is shock horror, and it does have a place. You think it's shock horror? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Why is there even a question? Well, I thought it was more just like gross out. I don't know if it's horrific. Shock, gross out is an un, is a subset of shock horror. Oh, so, okay. we're talking about Supreme Blue Rose, um, and per our per our New format formula. change, um, we're going to do buy, borrow, and burn beforehand, so we can have you guys, you guys can decide whether you actually want to read the book before we start talking about it or not. Um, this was a listener suggestion by Aaron, as I said before, Aaron, who's Coker. part of Just, uh, Just Enough Trope Podcast. He's been a fan for a while. He's on our Facebook page if you guys ever want to talk to him. Um, and he suggested this book because it makes no sense. I kind of agree. Uh, well, I don't know. I think it makes sense. I... If I'm going to go buy borrow burn, we'll talk about the details. Buy borrow burn, I'm going to go a solid borrow um, because it is Warren Ellis at his uh, most Warren Ellis most Ellis confusing, oh, yeah. um, purposefully confusing. So, mm-hmm. um, so solid borrow. What about you, Joel? Uh, borrow a singed bur- version. <laughs> it's kind of borrow burn. Okay. In the in, okay. in between there, not a fan. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. We will, Andy. Uh, <laughs> b- borrow, borrow shit on no not it's 
You guys are both. You guys are both leaning toward burn. It's, I'm leaning towards burn, but there are some really good things because I like the ideas that are put forth in the book. But it's some of the some L- of the low stuff borrow. is low borrow. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff is just really so out there that like, why? What are you talking about? Yeah. What? God damn it. So, um, I want to start this one off. Okay. Um, so before we were recording, Joel and I were discussing this, and we were both sort of the opinion of what the fuck did we just read? And we we broke it down, and we think that this is Warren Ellis's sort of attempt to, in a metaverse, explain reboots and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And initially, we were thinking that it was sort of his discussion on the new Fifty Two. But uh, when Luke got here, we continued that conversation, and we think that it's just sort of it's not specifically focused towards the new Fifty Two so much as it's Warren Ellis trying to explain the idea of how reboots would actually affect a world and in the inhabitants therein. Yeah, and I think that it... Um, I feel like it might have been triggered by the New 52, but it's only seven issues in, and the New 52's been going for, what, five years? Four mm. years? Four years. Because New 52 happened right around when we started the show. I, I don't remember anymore. So, all I know is that everything that I loved in the New 52 <laughs> got canceled like six yeah. months in. <laughs> well, and Convergence is going to all shit it all out anyway. So, um, But, yeah, it's definitely, to me, it's... Um, it's it's similarly focused to planetary. I don't think it's executed quite as well, but we'll have to see where it goes, right? Yeah. Because that's one of the things about Ellis's... 28 issues, so... That's one of the things about Ellis's more goofball and intellectual books where he's got some kind of commentary. Um, I, didn't re- I didn't even realize uh, when I scheduled these shows that this was written by Warren Ellis and so was uh, Next Wave. And they are literally polar opposite Warren Ellis. They are next wave is Warren Ellis at his least thoughtful on purpose, but with punching. Yeah. Mm. And, and, um, Supreme blue rose is definitely cerebral, more cerebral and has more commentary on industry stuff. I think it's just commentary. It's thinly veiled commentary on the comics industry. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, there's one scene in the middle of it when they start bringing into the, uh, the time travel and how all these timelines are, are merging. And there's, there's the classic thing, uh, conversation of this is the f- breaking the fourth wall where it's like oh we're on a we're on a singular planar kind of existence that's been done before where they're they're talking about how they're in a comic book yeah and you're you're reading the comic book and they're kind of becoming self-aware that they're in a comic book mm-hmm. and didn't that happen uh, in planetary and the the drugs issue yeah because there I will so, there yeah. will be a drugs issue of supreme blue rose i would what warren ellis i would no. be positive of it what I, eventually oh. <laughs> Um, no, no, maybe, so, okay, so look, fucking no, no. I feel like we're kind of talking about the uh, just the story and whatnot at this point. Um, hmm. So let's, yeah, let's, let's get some kind of re or some kind of recap for listeners on what this is about. I mean, I'm trying to remember the girls, the main Daphne, characters, like everything. Diane, Diane Dane, Diane Dane, yeah, uh, who is uh, very Lois Lane. Lo- um, it, it, it's Lois Lane. What? Yeah, she's a. No, she is. So these are first of all let's let's make sure everyone knows Supreme when I when I first heard of this comic like months ago I saw the title Supreme Blue Rose just you didn't three think words. about Supreme um, colon Blue because Rose. I didn't see the colon right it was just it was solicited as <laughs> I know I wasn't really looking wasn't really looking get for a, that it went a little deeper yeah um uh and then and then when I pulled these comics down from for us to read it's supreme coal and blue rose and then i'm like oh wait a minute for Su- su- is this spectacular issue of supreme right uh so for listeners supreme supreme was a uh character that was pretty prominent in the early image comics um, yeah 90 even earlier than that like i think it came i think the first one came out in 92 93 okay um but it was a it was one of the Rob Liefeld stable of comics, um, and it was a uh, it was at the time it was just a takeoff. It was Images Superman. Um, so there Rob was Liefeld stable of retarded yeah. horses. So there was there was like you know eventually when you get down the line there was the Diane Dane character who was Lois Lane, and there was Darius Dax yeah, who was like Lex Luthor. Yeah, it, no, um, it's, it's definitely Supreme is a it's a Superman story. It's, it's very similar to. Um, 
what was the non-Batman Batman story that we did that everyone hated? Uh, Holy, yeah. Holy Terror. Nemesis? No, oh, Holy Terror. Holy Terror. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Holy Ter- like so Holy Terror <laughs> was uh Frank Miller wanted to do a Batman story DC DC's a racist you know, Batman story. A racist yeah, a racist terrible Batman story with a page that was just Succeeded. panels that weren't filled in. Uh, what if and DC what said if Bruce no. Wayne was an anti-Islamic asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, this um Supreme was Rob Liefeld wanting to do a Superman story and DC being like, "No, that that's not Superman because he's an asshole." Right. And so he did Supreme, which is not Superman. Right. In quotes and air quotes <laughs> yeah, in and air quotes. Uh, and it was a character that was just—it was very superficial. Like, yeah. especially like all Image comics in the early '90s were. They were very like dick punchy superhero books. So um, good. Spawn had a gun that was bigger than him. Yeah. Um, oh, Lifeo. And oh, wait, that's not Lifeo. That was McFarlane. Yeah. yeah, that was McFarlane. They. And so this this comic, Supreme Blue Rose, kind of falls into the same stable as um, Prophet. And there was one other that came out around the same time as Prophet that was another Liefeld, uh, like Extreme Studios book back in the day that they rebooted into something. Wildcats? No, no, no. No. Ex- that was, Wildcats was Wildcats not 3. Extreme 0. Studios. Because okay. Extreme Studios is, is Liefeld's group. Wildcats was uh, Jim Lee's... Um, studio who Wildstorm, Wildstorm, um, which got yeah, yeah. So basically, what has happened is in the last five years, other people have taken Liefeld's properties and turned them into good things. Because Profit was fantastic. Superior? Simon Roy's Prof Superior. I don't remember. Superior was the Mark Millar book about the kid who becomes oh, Shazam. Yeah. yeah, Shazam. Sorry, not that Superman. wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't a Liefeld thing. No, I'm, just, I'm, t- I'm specifically I'm talking about stuff. image stuff. Nope. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, if I have a chance later while you guys are talking, I'll try and find out the uh, find the other book that I can't remember that was like along the same lines as Profit. Um, but Profit was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new the new version, and what I what what I thought was really interesting about Profit was that they actually just continued the numbering from the original run. So the original run only went twenty issues, and it was that was. I, oh man, I can't remember the name of the artist who, like, at the time he he did Moon Knight for a while, and then he did Profit, Fucking and he Moon was so he was like Alex. No, no, no. This was this guy was super Liefeld, like Liefeld and Wiles Portacio and Jim Lee had some kind of fucked up love child with more muscles with and the gene baby. Um, yeah, and I, I can't remember the name of the artist, but Profit was just awful in its original incarnation, and then. When they rebooted it, they actually just continued the numbering, started with number 21, and turned him into like a dim- a dimension hopping. It was very fear agent-y, yeah. you know, that kind of storyline where he just kind of gets, he falls out of the sky basically from whatever happened in the last issue. And um, they turn it into a brand new kind of a... F- adventure comic along the lines of some of Remender's sci-fi stuff that was actually just really fucking fantastic. And I think they're doing the same thing here. Like, this is definitely commentary using... Because Supreme being... Supreme being, huh? A... Being a takeoff of Superman was already a commentary on Superman. Superman, Albeit a shallow one. Um, And I think that was like Warren Ellis had this opportunity to be like, hmm, what happens when, you know worlds are created based around the fact that some artist couldn't you know finish it. i can't i can't put that many pouches on someone we yeah. need another artist <laughs> so so who was the red-haired character in the, in the comic book that kept on coming up because there was the bar and it seemed like she was a mm. main character that was she's the she's the MacGuffin. okay um okay. like so here's here's the thing and Andy, you'll have a lot to comment on this because you're you're a huge Warren Ellis fan. I think one of the things that Warren Ellis does really well. So in uh, in Next Wave, Warren Ellis does a really good job of taking inside jokes and comedy and making them accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that Warren Ellis also does really well is makes subjects seem more intellectual than they are by yeah. by the way he messes with the context. A lot of the stuff that gets said in Supreme Blue Rose 
um, makes will make perfect sense in a full context, mm. but we are presented only part, part of the of context, it. right? Yeah. So we get snippets of conversations that make sense to people um, who live in that context, but we don't get to see the background. Yeah. So it's actually not like the more you get into it, we read through issue. I think we all read through seven. issue seven, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think will be what the trade is collecting. The trade isn't out yet, which is uh, a little different. Uh, for our show where we should be reading the trade, but whatever. Um, But seven was a natural, like it was a natural ending to the arc Mm. Um, or an artificial ending to the arc. If you you follow the way the comic book talks about it. But I think what I liked about this was that it does really seem confusing, Mm. but the longer it goes, the more of the context Ellis gives you. So a lot of those conversations start making more sense, mm. which means that by the time this is over, or even if you were to reread this for a second time, I think a lot of those conversations, you'd have more context to make them make sense. So it do, it wouldn't be nearly as confusing in a second read through. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in and rant for about two minutes here. Go ahead. So there are two things that Ellis does better than just about anyone on the planet number one narcotics (laughs) number two he really does a fantastic job of breaking down incredibly complex ideas and framing them in a completely different viewpoint Mm. for example if you look at planetary and i said this on the planetary cast that story is actually about the history of pop culture but it's framed in a completely different thing if you look at the book you can tell that each individual chapter or issue is a very specific time point in pop culture. Like you've got the Godzilla story, you've got the space heroes, you've got the World War II heroes. Everything is in a frame of reference. And it, as you're going through that, you don't realize what you're learning. But when you go back through it and you know sort of what the context is, yeah. it just, you know, all the Kobayashi sudden, mug you falls. You have the Kobayashi mug falls and you're like, holy shit, I've actually not been reading a superhero story. I've just been reading someone talking about, you know, the history of comics and pop culture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Supreme, as best as I can tell, because we've only got, you know, the first part of it. So I can't actually say which direction the Kobayashi mug is going to fall or how it's going to shatter. I don't know what the end game is for it, but I feel like if I reread through this, I would pick up, you know, various bits and pieces because everything is filled in a little bit more as the individual <coughs> issues progress. Um, <clears throat> who is the the guy who gets killed, Joel? Oh, uh, the um, it's the bodyguard that they sent after them. The the guy with the birth birth defect. Oh yeah, I don't well, exactly remember his name. I feel like if I go back to the first time that I see him, like having read what happens to him and how everything plays out with him, I will pick some stuff up. Um, about that character, Ruben. Mm-hmm. Ruben. So you know, Ruben's initial appearance is there's there's information that you don't know that probably fills in stuff that he says at that point. Mm-hmm. And every single character has, in more L stories, with the exception of next, actually even with Next Wave, sort of the more you read about them, the more you know, and you can go. Multiple reads are the most effective way to sort of get right. what he's going and with, for. And with Next Wave, it was more centered around Marvel in-jokes, but in yep. this one, it's more of like part of the commentary of how he's dealing with his characters and his his comments on reboots and, yeah. and stuff. But, so I mean... I, I gotta give the the man credit. I do love Warren Ellis because he has the ability to trick you into learning stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. I mean, you, the more of his stuff you read, the more you're going to learn about whatever subject he wants you to, to learn about, and you won't even realize it. Glory, I think, is the other the other comic I was thinking of that was Glory? like a. Okay. It was an old school Extreme Studios thing, but then it got rebooted uh, under Avatar okay. Press. So, <clears throat> but I mean. I feel like Warren Ellis is much smarter than I am, and I'm fine with saying that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the price that you pay, like to be at that level, is sometimes you can't explain simple things because you can explain really complex things. So you have a tendency to look for really complex things and really simple things. Yeah, but I think that Warren Ellis does a, and I said this uh, during Next Wave as well, and and Planetary. I think he does a pretty fantastic job of being able to explain complex things. Oh, no, it's not, it's not like he is one of the best at explaining complex ideals. Mm -hmm. I think his shortfall is if there's something very simple, he always tries to look for additional background Mm. information on it. Like why the guy shoot the guy, you know, in the alley, he was just mugging him was the answer. And Warren Ellis would go into like a huge backstory that explained how they got to that point. Mm. Yeah. He does. does Sometimes you don't need to 
go into that much give exposition. Everything. Yeah. So the thing about this book, and the reason why we keep talking about it being a commentary on uh, reboots, is that the premise is that Diane Dane is, an, is a reporter who has been hired by Darius Dax, who is ostensibly the villain, um, who runs a corporation that uh it, it, they're like um a forecasting a strategic forecasting corporation but for cosmic events effectively uh and he gathers and sells information to to players who in this particular world what we've le- what we've learned so far in the seven issues is that uh every so often the universe resets itself and it just it it gets to a point where it gets too loaded down with bullshit, and the universe is just like we gotta. There's something's got to change. So instead of, um, you know, instead of trying to fix it in line, it just says fuck it, re- resets itself back to a certain point, and then continues on and sees how things go. In this particular storyline, the universe reset itself uh, about a year prior to when the comic starts, and some people who are able to actually see the the changes that happen are able to figure out that this particular reset at some point basically ends in the year 23 something i think it was or 22 i don't i'd have yeah, to look we'll, a couple hundred years in the future um we find out also that uh supreme the character a guy named Ethan Crane um has is a major cog in this reset wheel uh and in this particular timeline part of the universe that he comes from like if we if we imagine that supreme's golden city is krypton is krypton um in this particular storyline their golden city has fell apart during one of the resets and pieces of it landed on this small town specifically an arch yeah that says the word supreme on it um so Darius Dax, of course, knows more than any of us know, yep. knows that Supreme is kind of the key to the resets. And he talks early in the book about what what constitutes a what he calls a Blue Rose event, which is part of the title, where they're a forecasting company that can that can forecast cosmic events, but they specialize in what they call Blue Rose events, which are events that are that are effectively um, have a, a man-made hand in in how in because occurring. blue roses never right. occur in nature so um what we find out at the end of this arc spoilers is that he it seems at least my inference is that he maintains some level of knowledge between resets and is trying to force resets um that benefit him so in this particular one at the very end of the storyline um he at some point finds this like ray gun thing um, that was one of the things that fell from the Golden City and gets Diane Dane to track down Ethan Crane, who is also Supreme, um, and then shoots him, kills him, forces a universal reset, and then the end of this arc is the the world has been reset. Diane Dane only doesn't doesn't but kind of does remember something that happened before. Yeah, she's like something has um, happened. I don't remember what though. And now we're going to move on to another another world where we're going to be following Darius Dax and trying to figure it out, which is part of what the the commentary I li- what part of the commentary on reboots that I like is that it's this it's and this is where I do think it is part of the new fifty two uh, commentary on new fifty two where people kind of remember some things They're, that happen, like, but they mm-hmm. don't not all of them. And who knows? Certain how people remember certain events differently than uh-huh. other people, and some people see things differently than most people. Yeah, um, and I think that's a, I think it's a really uh, I think it'll take me at least two reads to to get all the references and to get everything you know that this book is throwing at me. Yeah. I don't think it's quite as complex as it seems the first time you read it. Like the first time you read it, it's like he Warren Ellis just throws a lot of out of context shit at you mm. and tries to make you put the puzzle together, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that if you read it a second time, the context starts to make more sense, and uh, it it becomes an interesting to me an inter- a really interesting take on the character of supreme because supreme was so fucking superficial the first time and even cr- 
Ethan Crane makes a comment about that. He's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to like, something's wrong here and I'm just going to wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, eh, um, yeah. so you look like, uh, so my take on it was when I was first reading it, I, I wasn't familiar with Supreme, so I didn't realize what was going on, and I came into it fresh-eyed. And when Warren Ellis first opens the book, there's a lot of stuff that you don't really understand. It was a little David Lynchian oh, because yeah. it was all over the place. You know, she's in her dream, and then the dream is informing her reality mm-hmm. when she meets Darius Dax. And I thought that it was going to be kind of a <clears throat> Cthulian horror where there's a whole bunch of stuff that's implied that you don't you don't know about and mm-hmm. and the reader is not informed and later on it's going to be revealed to you that oh it's the old gods and you know <laughs> your bloodborne is showing Joel yeah I know oh I know I, this is the vein I'm in for the last couple months but then as I'm I'm reading it you can see how Warren Ellis goes into like what what happens to what if your world was real and then all of a sudden it gets rebooted and then there's different versions of it and he and what happens to the characters if they're actual people where their whole timeline their whole world is just shifted to something else mm-hmm. you know and and that is kind of a weird perspective to take and it's a it's a little more that's why it's a little more cerebral because we don't ever think about like what happens to superman when he goes to the new 52 and mm-hmm. now he's wearing blue jeans um but if that was an actual character, you would kind of like, what the fuck is going right. on? Yeah, it, it's an interesting take because the supreme actors, as they call them, are all are all basically the core characters of the supreme storyline, right? So yep. um, they kind of have the same stuff going on, and everything is the similar for them. Mm. But everybody else just gets wiped and reset. Yeah. Which is basically the way that it happens with comic book reboots. All the main characters are kind of the same because you can't really just completely shit all over Superman's origin story. You can remove a lot of continuity so that you can start over. Mm. But everybody else in his continuity just gets like dumped. They're gone. They're fucking, you know, we'll start over and, you know, some new people will come in. All of the base normal people are gone like and, and they don't remember shit. Um, mm. but, uh, and, and some other things is that as you keep on reading the book, things start explaining themselves to you. So, um, doc rocket shows up and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. It's, you know, this weird science guy who's like a, a I thought he was a time cosmonaut or something like science that. Science hero. Yeah. He was a science hero, but, um, I thought he shifted through time. Right. And when he just takes off and he's super fast, I was like, oh, well, he's dealing with time where he's making a time bubble around him where he's normal and everything slows down. And then when I get to the end, I realize, oh, fuck, he's just the Flash. You know, so yeah. I, it, it got me thinking way too much about you know, like the nature of the comic book mm-hmm. because I'm reading this. And like you said, Warren Ellis teaches you stuff when you're not even thinking about it, where you start thinking like third level shit when it's like, no, he's just the fucking flash. <laughs> this is just Superman. There's yeah. Lois Lane. And when and when it comes down to the end where he meets Supreme and it's like Superman, I was like, oh, that's when the mug dropped. And I realized, oh, this is the Justice League. And I didn't realize that this was images version of the justice league when they're doing that imagine imagine that imagine all the reboots that have happened in the dc universe and imagine that lex luther had a direct hand in purposely making those happen so that he could try and create the dc universe that he wanted to be that he wanted to be for president yeah yeah which so, happened, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, and then and then it also goes into all the alternate realities that there's there's an Earth six one six. Well, that was Marvel, but you know all these different timelines that Earth all, two, <clears throat> Earth two, and and all these different timelines that multiple comic books have, or you know Marvel and and DC both have, you know, and try to explain. Okay, well, in in this version, um, this versioning of it, they they do this kind of things and mm-hmm. what happens if if Australia or what was it England so accepted the, the Captain, colonies no yeah. oh, okay. I was, I England accepted about. the colonies into the parliament what would happen is like well half of the world is English and Chinese you know yeah. so it does it is it, talking about the whole meta thing of the comic book industry too and yeah. like okay what happens if these timelines happen this way it's a little too cerebral. I wasn't really expecting it I mean if I was ready for it it's like okay this, this is what I'm getting ready for and then maybe it'll be better for you on a second reading. Yeah. Right. Right. I, mean, I think once it's finished is really when you need to sort of take the whole thing into consideration. So one of the things that I want to talk about before we run out of time is the artwork. Yeah. Um, Tula Lote 
she's relatively new. I um, I've seen her stuff. I've never seen her actually do um, uh, sequential stuff. I've seen covers and stuff that she's done in the past, and um, I'm kind of torn on her style because she reminds me in some ways a lot of Becky Cloonan. Yep. Um, but the line work is very similar to Becky Cloonan. The line work is similar, but one of the things that I'm she does the same. It's who's the guy that did um, Vasily Lillis? No, 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 no. The guy that did Debris and Green Wake and the guy that with, I really don't fucking Curtis. like. Uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, reminds me of Becky Cloonan and him, like kind of mixed together. She, she one of the things that she does uh, is she has straight black and white line work, but a lot of um, the colors go outside of the lines. Colors go outside of the lines. Mm. She has a lot of like blue line work that is um, that is like a mirror or a a shift of the actual black line work. It looks almost like she purposely left her pencils in and the colors are there. The coloring um, reminds me actually of Casanova quite a bit. Yeah, I yeah, can I can see that. See that. Um, I think there's okay. So can I say one thing about artwork that I really noticed is there's one scene when they started talking about the timelines and uh, the woman who got a bloody nose because she was trying to do a probe or whatever and she was Mm -hmm. stuck out of time there's a scene where she's looking through the mirror and she's looking at herself talking about this and they do something with the like kind of a double image on the mirrors that really looks like if you're looking through a window at somebody in a cafe and i thought she really did a great job of that it was an old old black scientist i think it was the third third issue mm-hmm. and there were there and he was commenting on like well you just like science because you got the nice gadgets oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and so i i think they do a really good job of she does a really good job of making it kind of dreamy you know mm-hmm. because this is all Surreal. a world yeah this is all a world in flux and things are still haven't been concrete yet so there's stasis still, is not taking effect and one no, of the things that i like it. about it is um like there are these objects that i can't fucking find the names of um that darius dax has these objects that he kind of at the beginning stay he stays behind them at all times uh, in his office and one of the things that you notice with the coloring is that every time it shifts to darius dax the coloring becomes much more solid within the lines real. much more real um because he doesn't shift. Yeah, and then but the world outside it is more messed up in the way that she does her coloring and the way that she handles like some of the the double image stuff that she does. Um and there are places within the world where the coloring is different and I don't usually like her I don't usually like this kind of like sketchy weird style with funky but colors in the background but, the but in this instant I mean I love Tula Lote's line work. I think it, she. I love her character designs. Mm. I love the way that she does her line work. It's fantastic. Uh, the coloring would turn me off if it wasn't so perfect for the storyline that is being for the story that's being told. Honestly, I feel like this coloring um, it fits Casanova as well, really, really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Casanova is kind of the same thing. Dimension jumping. Dimension jumping. Yeah, you know where everything's a little surreal. You know, I, actually, I'm, I'm going to change it to a, a solid borrow. Like the more, like the more that we talk about it, the more like the Kobayashi mug is shattering in front of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. See, I would, I would too. But here's the thing: is that there's some really stellar moments in it, and then all of a sudden it just goes into exposition that is just not necessary. Like, oh god damn it! You know, when they're talking about, they go into depth about the versions getting timed together, and it's all out of sync because he's talking about something that you'll learn about later on. But you don't exactly know why you're reading it at that moment, that moment, and it kind of just slows everything down, and really, it's it's a drag for me. I I do think that this is one that um, it's very you know I don't I was about to say very much like Fringe, but Fringe was more superficial than this. Um, I think for me anyway, yeah. Okay. uh, For me, I think it might read better as a as a completed story. Yeah. Right. I understand why he does it the way he does it for a monthly because it it is one of those things where some people when they read this and they they get to the end of an issue and they're like what the fuck 
that drives them to buy more, right? They want to be like, okay, this is going to get explained. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I think a lot of that has to do with the trust in Warren Ellis. Because I don't think that if if this was a no-name writer, I'm not sure it would have the same... uh, the same people wouldn't trust it as much and mm-hmm. it might not you know it might not get a chance to to be Very completed yeah. but the fact that it's Warren Ellis people trust him to f- figure shit out and do it right you know not so gonna BKV it uh yeah, yeah exactly so um fuck him <laughs> so much and his failure to end stories so well now we've got two solid borrows and still a a borrow burn uh, a, a, yeah, bur- a, a cinched, borrow a cinched version yeah. and it, the thing is is that i don't know how you can keep this up you know it's like uh he's got to have the whole thing planned out from the, the yeah. get go i do you think he can pull it off I though think, i think he can of all people that's where we're talking about the trust thing it's warren ellis okay cuz this is like a triple twist over an alligator pit and if you can stick the landing and see good. i don't yeah see i don't think so i don't think it's that i don't think it's that complex i think that he he's a very adept at at making seeming complexity where there isn't as much yeah. um and i think that it's uh that there's a good chance that once this all wraps up i don't think it's like if he follows through with the style that he's pushing in this book i don't think it's going to have the um the classic you know, satisfying ending like a lot of other things do. I think it will have an appropriate ending to the style, but I don't think it's going to be like a solid wrap up where he answers a bunch of questions. I just think it's going to be a, I just think it's going to be a, Hey, this is, you know, (laughs) this is going to happen. This is going to keep happening. So well, fuck it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But this, and this is one of those comic books that does have some really good moments, but it does get mired down. And I feel that if I lend it to somebody like, Hey, borrow this, you'll really enjoy it. And they come back to me and they look at me kind of strange, like this isn't a lendable. It's, it's, it's not like, that's the thing. I mean, for me, it's a, a borrow, but like I have you need to know that the person that you are lending it to oh, yeah. is very, very versed in comics. Like this is yeah. not a, a first co- time. This isn't Jimmy's first comic book. <laughs> no. This is a it's... graduate level comic. So for the next few episodes, we're we're next episode. We're doing the Empty Man. It's a Colin Bunn horror comic from Boom Studios. Oh, really? Episode ninety four. We're going to do Alex and Ada, which is one of the only books involving a Luna brother that I've ever actually liked. Um, Girls was terrible. Yeah, um, you say that every literally every single time I bring up any I of the Luna brothers. Much. You're just like fucking girl is terrible. After that episode ninety five, we're doing Gotham Central. Uh, which was the Batman World comic, but it was centered around the GCPD and and Gordon, uh, written by Greg Brubaker, Greg Ruffer, Rucka. Brubaker, and all the good stuff. Uh, and then episode ninety six, we're going a little odd, and we're doing Afterlife with Archie, the first, uh, the first. I think it's only a single. It's like a self contained story about. I think it's a four issue. It's like a four issue. Archie zombie story. I'm pretty sure Veronica the Teenage Witch ends up fucking Cthulhu at the end. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, those are the next four episodes. We're doing Empty Man, Alex, and Ada Gotham Central Afterlife with Archie. Uh, if you would like to participate in the show, much in the same way that that Aaron Coker did by suggesting a book for us, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at tradesecretspod. You can hit us up on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretspodcast. Send us questions. Um, we do this book club style. That's why we told you the next four episodes. So read, uh, read the books if you want to. And... Um, let us know what you think. That's part of why we are doing the buy, borrow, burn at the beginning now. So if you start an episode and we go solid buys on everything, well, if you trust our opinions, then... You should probably read it before you listen to the rest of the episode. Yeah. And reevaluate your uh, life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you, if you trust our opinions, you've done something wrong. Uh, we have episodes all the way out through 100 already scheduled, and we will have that information as episodes uh, as we do new episodes. But um, I know for a fact that I'm really looking forward to episode 100 because we're doing a uh, preacher, it's and so fucking that is going to be that's going to be a good show. So uh, this has been episode 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 episode. This has been episode episode. Just leave Why it the fuck? Why the fuck did I decide to do something where I had to actually talk? I don't know because I've like I've seen you talk to people you don't know, and it's embarrassing. It really is. Like it's said every morning. Yeah. Like so, I will I will tell the listeners at home. Luke is actually, if he knows you, is actually very well spoken and eloquent. Like there's this switch 
like I've seen him like talk to people for the first time and he's like and he pretty much is actually Breck. Yeah. I don't know what happens because people expect something when they hear me on the show and then they meet me in person and I'm like <laughs> I think to a certain extent oh, I'm the exact opposite. I'm more like when you I'm can be- never think of what you want to say when the mics are on. It's true. We have we have much more for listeners. Merry Christmas. We have much more in depth conversations with Andy when he's not actually sitting in front of a microphone. And if I'm Usually drunk, it's even drunk. better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Of course, I am who I am. Yeah. Joel is Joel. Yeah. So Pretty much. much. Drunk me is Sherlock Holmes. Sober me is like, hi guys. I'm. Where am I? Sherlock, you're fucking full of yourself. Sherlock Holmes. I was just thinking of someone who's intelligent and <laughs> highly addicted to heroin. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. So this was episode ninety-two, all about Supreme Blue Rose. Aaron, I hope we, uh, I hope we made it make a little bit more sense for you, because uh, that's what that's what Aaron asked for. He's like, I hope you can sort this piece of shit out. <laughs> uh, uh, and we will be doing Empty Man for the next episode, Colin Bun book that uh, looks very good. Thank you, Andy. Banging the Superman. Thank you, Joel. Space Ghost. And this is Luke Schwingen out. Trade Secrets, the only podcast to coin the term banging the Superman. <laughs> and sh- swinging. And then he just swinging. said swinging. So now all I've got is this image of fucking Mike, Mike, Mike Myers. Myers going swinge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Yep. Yeah. We're the doing bits sh- that are going to get edited out is just glorious. Oh, if I don't edit this show, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Like, why would I bother? Because Joel says all that racist stuff. That racist stuff. Oh, yeah. That racist. Mm, that racist. Really, I'm sitting next to him, and it's yeah. ro- it's just rubbing off on me. Racist. Hail Whitey. <laughs> I have to, I have to find the post so that I can tell people what we're doing next. Uh, because I'm fucking, I'm terrible. There we go. Uh, so first off, first and foremost, thank you to Aaron Myers Aaron for. Aaron Coker. Why did I say Myers? We Mike, have Mike Myers. Myers. That's why. Aaron Coker. Schwinge. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't even been drinking this I know. Episode. Thank you f- for Aaron Coker for giving. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron Coker. Thank you, Aaron Coker, for attacking Supreme Blue Road. And we've come full we circle. We talk about Supreme Blue Road and all the waters. And he turns himself and confirms the 10 out of 5! Uh, Callback. Yeah.